0: Well, good afternoon, everybody. So good to see you. Uh, happy Mother's Day, mums, and especially to my mum. Honour you and love you. Thank you for being here with us this little uh, these few weeks, celebrating Hannah's graduation. She just graduated as a middle school teacher from NC State. Go Wolfpack! And if you're if you're a teacher in this in this uh, auditorium here, thank you so much for all of your hard work and service to the children of the of uh, of our great cities. Weren't the kids good, eh? So cute. Well, I like them anyway. <laughs> so we're in the middle of a sermon series, which uh, we actually started probably back in February, I think, lose track, but the sermon, uh, we're looking at Transformers. And, um, you know, part of our mission and our calling is to encounter God's transforming presence. You know, where God is, there's always transformation. And so we were looking at at the life of Joseph, um, how Joseph transformed Egypt and the known world. We looked at Ruth and how she, um, not Ruth, Esther, how she saved her people. Uh, And then uh, at Easter, we started looking at Jesus as the ultimate transformer. And so we're in the middle of that series, if you're just joining us today. uh, A couple of weeks ago, Michael Finnan preached on uh, Jesus, our Redeemer, and how he has rescued us uh, from sin, and he's brought us out of... um, Darkness into his light. JT last week talked about uh, how we've been reconciled by Jesus, how we've been reconnected to relationship, that God has drawn near to us in such a way that we would draw near to him and that we are now uh, sons of our heavenly father, sons and daughters, and in relationship with him. And that relationship changes everything. You know, Jesus' relationship with his father was enough to change the world. Your relationship that, we've, the, the relationship that you and I have been invited into is that same level of relationship, that same consistency, that same quality. And, and it's the Father's absolute love and his passion and his joy for us. Just as we were singing today, oh, how he loves us. You know, the Bible says that God has given us his very best. God did not spare Romans 8.32. God did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that where in the gospel we found not a God, a God who's saying try harder, but a God who says, I'm going to come close and I'm going to do it all for you so that you can come into a relationship with me. And then he goes on to say, because God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more along with him? Let's just to say that together, along with him. Give us all things ah it 's the glorious gospel isn't it and today I want to look at uh, Jesus as the ruler right? we 've been singing about it already this morning i I, I love it um, Aaron and, and, and Karis, I, I don't know if you had an eye on what we were talking about this week, no, but just the Holy, being tuned into the Holy Spirit as we're singing about Jesus, the name above all names, and, and there's no other name than Jesus, and he's this power in the name, and I want to unpack that a little bit um, today in the time that we've got, and I'll probably uh, carry that over into the next time I preach uh, as well. So uh, I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter 2, what we have is a, is a, a, a hymn. Um, they, they, commentators believe, Bible scholars believe that this was potentially an, an early Christian hymn. Um, actually, Paul's writing it in the context of, uh, of us being humble with each other and he's using Jesus as the example of what true humility looks like. But I want to unpack a few things out of that. So um, we're going to start in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Paul says, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, which is a town, a city in ancient Roman Empire. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I just want to pause there for a minute. What is, why is the death of Jesus so important? The gospel is that Jesus it was fully God. Is uh, that the Christian faith is that God is one person but three persons in one. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that this and that the Son of God, Jesus, came to the earth, born in uh, to a virgin, born in a manger, born to be a king, but yet born as a servant to serve all, and that and that he didn't consider it says equality of with God to be held on to or grasped but he it says that he emptied himself and took the form of a servant in other words he came to the earth just like you and me not with the purpose of ruling and reigning but actually with the purpose of serving all of humanity and um and so and and he he was obedient to to the father you know he carried out the father's will he had a mission from god that mission was uh given to him by god to rescue the world to redeem us who were formerly in slavery to bring us out into into the kingdom of light and and the truth about our condition was this the bible says that we were slaves the truth is that the nature on the inside, that because we'd all eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that on the inside of us, there was a fundamental flaw. The fundamental flaw with each one of us is that we weren't able to choose the right thing to do. We were under the power of sin, which basically meant that even if we wanted to do the right thing, there was a flaw in our mindset that caused us to pick the wrong thing every time. And, and even the things that we thought were good were causing us to pick the wrong thing. I don't know if, if you experienced that in your own life, that moment where you, you know the right thing to do, but it's very, very, very hard to do the right thing consistently. Yes, because we the Bible says that we we have this uh, opportunity or this this part of us that picks the wrong thing every time. The Bible calls that sin, that we're missing the mark from God. Not only are we under sin, but we're under slavery to, the, to God's law. The Bible says that God put... Uh, put Law gave us a law that says this is how to live, and that law imprisoned us. It wasn't that the law was bad; it was that our choices, our ability to make good choices, was off center, and so that law imprisoned us and caused us to be slaves. Not only were we slaves to that law, but actually slaves to the enemy. That that we had that there was there's an enemy, Satan, the accuser, and that accuser. We were under his power under his yoke, and we were not able to come out of, of, of that slavery. We were separated from God, we were slaves, and we were under, because we were in sin, we're now living under the terrible fear of death. What's going to happen when we die? What's going to happen? Is there an afterlife? What, am, is, am I going to be held accountable for my life? What does that look like? What's going to happen? And that great fear of death that is across all of humanity only have to fly on an airplane, which we've just done, and hit some turbulence. I remember when we were flying once into Hong Kong with, with, our, uh, with our kids, Sarah was about two or three at the time, and as we were flying into Hong Kong, we're hitting, we were living in Australia, hitting this great turbulence, and the whole plane's going up and down, you know, and, and Sarah's thinking that she's on a, on a uh, sort of ride, and she's going, wee! <laughs> wee and the guy behind us is crying. A grown man crying and a little kid going, wee. Why? Because we've all got, I don't know, I mean, uh, Sherry, I see you as a, you're a pilot, and I know you, we, we are under, in your great hands of, of care and attention and great practice, but there's something about being on a plane where you're out of control and don't know what's happening that in the slightest bump, then you hit it, you go, <gasps> is this the moment? <laughs> we were flying back in the other day, and we, uh, they hit a, a landing into Dallas where I thought we were gonna, he was going to put the plane through the tarmac into, into the other side of the world, you know? He just came in and then smack. And the whole, everyone's like, ah. Like we're, all fear, we're all afraid of death. All right, we're all under that yoke. That was, that's what the Bible says. The whole world, imprisoned under sin, imprisoned under slavery, to, to, uh, and, and imprisoned under the, the power of the enemy, imprisoned under the fear of death. And then not only that, but now in a world system, And Jesus, when he came, he came into, he was born into the the greatest empire of the time, the Roman Empire, where there was, you know, the whole known world taken over by the Roman Empire and that Roman Empire bringing peace supposedly and, and even the emperors thinking themselves as God. The emperors would be called things like the Lord of Lords, the savior of the worlds, Augustus Caesar, son of God. And Jesus comes into that place into our humanity and his death and his resurrection, the point of all of that, the purpose of his death and resurrection was actually to set us free from all of that slavery. To bring us out from under the yoke of sin or that was on the inside. To bring us out of the law because he fully fulfilled it in, and on our behalf. To bring us out of the power of Satan because we died to all of that. When Jesus died, we died. That's the truth of the gospel. When Jesus was raised to life, that's we were raised to life. And so Jesus... His death and his resurrection was a mission to rescue us out of our slavery and our sin and our inability to do the right thing and to bring us into a place of freedom and joy and life and peace where we've gone from a battle on the inside that we could not win because of the sin that's on the inside of us that's always causing us to do the wrong thing to bringing us to a place where we are now in a place where we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and so he was obedient to death. That death was for the purpose of you and I rescuing us out of sin and darkness and, and actually transforming. Talk about ultimate transformation. Taking, a human, taking human beings that were, God, the Bible says, were enemies of God, slaves to sin, hating God, having nothing to do with him, having no hope, having no life, just bound to the, 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 the world, to the, for these people, the vagaries of the Roman Empire, and all the things that were going on, and Jesus enters into the human race. And his death and his resurrection sets us free. And so Paul then goes on to write in verse nine of Philippians chapter two, it says, therefore, because of all of this, in view of all that Jesus has done for us on the cross, in his death and his resurrection, his obedience, where on the, on the cross, he took all things and became head of all things as he's resurrected, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The word, the name means identity. So he's got this identity that is preeminent over all things. It's not just that we've been rescued out of our sin, but we've now been brought into a, re- a relationship where our Father is the boss of everything where he's got everything under his control. He is the name above every name. In other words, the, the name that Julius Caesar had was the son of God, and they had to worship him, and they had to, you know, that everyone thought that he was the one that brought peace. But Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, demoted Caesar. Not only did he demote Caesar, but he devo- demoted every power and authority and principality and rulership on the, in the whole world. So w- we know from the, from the Bible that, Behind, uh, within, in the the world that we see, there's a natural and a supernatural world. The natural world is the eyes that we see, the presidents, the governors, the kings, the important people, the Hollywood stars, the you know the 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 everybody that we see, friends, family, co-workers, bosses. The natural world, and behind that is a, is these spiritual beings of principalities and powers and rulers in the air that that, that you know ultimately. Uh, Satan being the chief of all of those. But Jesus has come. He's the name above every name. He's the one that's above all of that, every rule and the principality and power. And he's been given the name above every name. Get this, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every name. So, look, And it says that every knee would bow in heaven, so that includes Satan and all his demons and all the angels. On the earth, so that includes um, all of uh, humanity that is now here. President Trump, President Putin, or the Queen of England, or the ISIS, the head of ISIS, everybody. Under, on the earth and under the earth, even those that are now no longer with us, but have been the great kings that have departed and, you know, uh, have gone Every, Jesus has become the name, the identity, the person, the ruler that is above every name. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, chapter 1, sorry. And we're just going to jump into verse 20. Uh, Verse 19. It's kind of in the middle of the flow that Paul's writing. I don't want to go in, I haven't got time to go into all of it, Um, but I want to just focus on this part where Paul's praying, uh, and it's his prayer for the Ephesian church, but we pick it up in verse 19. It says, It's the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus. God, the exaltation of Jesus, when Jesus was buried, he he was resurrected on the third day. Fifty days later, he was ascended into heaven where it says that he was glorified. That means that he came into heaven, was received in heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. To sit at the right hand of God, the right hand is symbolic of the power and authority of God. He is the ultimate, as the creator of all things, God is the ultimate authority over everything, right? Right? And so Jesus to come in and to sit at his right hand is to say that he's, he's not in a panic, he's not in a flap, he's not having to do any work, it's completed, it's done, it's finished. He's seated, He's seated, and he's ruling from a place of authority and power. And so he's been seated at the Father's right hand in authority and power, far above. How far is far above? How far? How far? far enough. As Michael said earlier, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, not only on this earth in the present reality, but into heaven and everything that's going to come. He is far above And Father, he, God, put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The good news of the gospel, everybody, is that not only have we had our sins forgiven, not only have we been removed from slavery, but we've been brought into a position of authority because we're now in Christ Jesus. And he is Lord of all. And so our Father is Lord of all. You know, there's no competition for God. There's nobody that's his equal, the Bible says. There's nobody that could measure up to him and say, I'm looking at you, I've got the best of you. Every other being, other than God, is a created being. The creator of the universe is the only one who has power and authority over everything else, and he is your father. It's it's good news. He's ruling over all things. He is ruling in power and glory. He's far above. He's the everlasting ruler of all things. He's the prince of peace. He's the one who's triumphed over our enemies. He's the name above every name. He's the ruler of all things. And so Jesus comes and his message is uh, for us to pray. Well, before he even asks us to pray, his message is the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within. What is the kingdom of God? Well, to be a, to, to, for a, a kingdom is first and foremost a king. That's a ruler, one with authority. What does it mean to have authority? Well, to, to have authority means to have the right to decide. You get to choose what happens. The right to decide, not just the right to decide, but the power to decide as well. It denotes a total freedom to do whatever you want to do without any hindrance, without any blockage, without anyone to tell you, no, that's our Father. That's Jesus. He's been given all authority. That means that he has absolute power to decide, the authority, the right to make decisions for the entire universe. And he is a God of love whose every thought and every inclination of his heart is love towards us. He's far above all rule and authority. Every other bit of authority on this planet, whether it's President Trump, whether it's your boss, whether it is other governments around the world, whether it is the Satan himself are under Jesus' feet. They're under Jesus' feet. He tramples on them. He walks on them. It's not like he walks through them. It's not like he has to pick his way through past some great leaders and try trying to measure up to him to them to see, Am I going to get through or not? No, he's far above. He's over all things. What he says goes, I love it in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 119 that says that God sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. That's ultimate authority. Ultimate authority is the right to do whatever you like and have nobody tell you that you can't do it. That's where Jesus is. He is over all things. He's over sin. He's over death. He's over sickness. He's over disease. He's over Satan. He's over the world. He's over every circumstance and situation that is in your life and in my life. He's over it. He's ruler. He's king of all. He's a ruler. He has ultimate authority. Not just though so a ruler, you have to to be a king, you have authority, you have power. You also have a realm, a sphere of influence, a place that you rule over. So when we're praying for the kingdom of God to come, what we're praying first and foremost is for the rule of Christ to be manifested. We're not actually praying for a, a necessarily even a physical realm or a spiritual realm. What we're praying first and foremost for is for the kingdom of, for the rule of God, for his authority and his power to be established. And his, but his realm is every place, every territory, every person, everywhere, all, for all time. God's authority extends over every place, every person, every every authority, every ruler, every dimension for all time. Talk about transformation. Because a man, Jesus Christ, is now seated on the throne of heaven. Deciding what's going to happen in accordance with the Father's will and stewarding the Father's will in us and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about his purpose and his destiny, the things that he wants to do. And the Bible says that we're heirs of the kingdom, that we're now, because we're now, we're in Christ, we've now stepped into that rulership. And I'll t- take more time to look at that next time. But he's our victory. Christ is the ruler of all. Let's have a look at, um, well, just quickly back to Ephesians 2. And the good news is that he has, the Father has put under Jesus' feet all things and given him to be the head of the church. Okay, let's just think about that for a minute. Where are we? Well, we're the body of Christ. So the body of Christ includes the feet and everything upwards. Would you agree? To the head. If Christ is the head and we're the body, everything up to... Probably here or here, I don't know what's whether the next part of the head or not. <laughs> everything else is we are the church, Jesus' body. That's what the Bible says. We are His body. We are, therefore, at least His feet upwards. Therefore that means that the enemy and everything else in the world is under our feet every principality, every power, every ruler, every authority, everything else, every other name that can be named is under our feet because we are in Christ Jesus. Yeah? And so sometimes we have this view that we're in this cosmic battle between good and evil. There is no cosmic battle. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. To say it is finished is that the enemy has been destroyed totally. The power of sin and death and Satan has been annihilated. There's no fear left. Say that we, it is finished. That therefore, when we're thinking about the enemy, it's not that we somehow need to try and attain something. We already live in the resurrected ruling Christ who has all power and authority and dominion over the enemy. So the enemy is actually not your enemy. He's not, your, he's not like at your level or even above you. He's actually below you. Because we're in Christ. Christ has authority over all things. The enemy can't do anything without Jesus' say-so. He can't attack you. He can't get at you. He can't do anything outside of the will of God because you are in Christ Jesus and he is under your feet. And Jesus is the name that's above every name. And Jesus has put us over the world. He's put us over all of the challenges and difficulties that we find ourselves in the world. He's actually elevated us over that. Not that we're going to dominate and rule, but actually like Jesus' rule, lead and serve those around us. So he's the ruler of all things. He's the name that's above every name. As we were singing this morning, uh, When we're in trouble, when we're in difficulty, when we're in challenge, it's the name of Jesus that's the name that's above everything else. That's why we call on the name of Jesus. That's why we sing about the name of Jesus. That's why we we declare the name of Jesus, because it's the name of Jesus that is power beyond every other power in the world. God, so good news. What that means is that we are living fixed to heaven, the, the, the Bible in the Old Testament says that the glory of God, the word they use for the glory of God is the kavod, a kabod of God, which basically means weight. God's glory is his, the weight of his presence. The kind of the glory that goes, oh, I feel small. But it, because it's a weight, it's a th- something that is fixed. And so Jesus, as the ruler of all, it's his glory. He's the glory of God in the face of Christ. He is the glory He's the weight of heaven. That weight fixes us to a reality that is beyond ourselves and bigger than our circumstances. So we're not running around, being blown around, tossed around by the winds of change and, and worrying about the society and where it's going. And, and, and is Trump going to get elected or not get elected, depending on your p- political persuasion? It's, you know, is ISIS going to get demolished or not? Is, you know, is liberal agenda or other agenda or whatever thing, are they going to somehow get broke through? And, and, and we're all going to just, we're just not sure. We're just at the vagaries of our, of our, of the whim and the the reality of our lives and the, and the choices that we make and all of that. No, we're not floating around. We're anchored and fixed into the glory of God, the weighty one, the one who rules over all things, the one who is supreme over everything, the one who is the name above all names. You are, we are anchored into solid ground, the weight of his presence. So how do we respond? Well, we respond, first of all, through worship, Because if Jesus is the name above all other names, he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our adoration. I don't know if you've, uh, 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 about you, but I, I love it when I'm in a, like this morning when we're in a worship set where we're looking at the magnificence of Jesus and all of a sudden all the challenges and problems that, that we've, been, we've come into, you know, relationship difficulties or uh, financial challenges or health challenges or, you know, fear or problems with your boss or whatever it might be, all of a sudden those things become very, very small because we suddenly get connected with the reality of the anchor of heaven, that we are now connected to the glory, the glorious God who is the name above every name. And every situation and scenario and circumstance that's coming against you is under your feet. And so we worship him, we give him praise and adoration, because he is not like us, but he's so much greater than us so glorious and so beautiful. And then and our part of that worship is to yield and to surrender, to say yes to God, to say yes to him. And in that place of yielding and surrender is actually to be obedient to what he says. If he's Lord of lords and King of kings, then actually our response is to be obedient. One of the things I love is that you know, the, the, the truth of the gospel is that God has made us sons, that we are heirs, that we are, that we are in relationship with the Father, that He looks at us and the same passion and desire and love as He looks at Jesus. But Jesus was a servant of all. Jesus was obedient to his Father, even unto death. And the invitation for us is, as sons is to receive that sonship, not running around thinking that we're the bee's knees because we're kings, although we are, but to receive that sonship and then to say yes in obedience to Jesus, to the Father, and to respond in obedience to him. And to fix our eyes upon him. And then to live in the power and authority Here's the, of Christ. Here's the thing. Jesus has done it all. He can. His authority means he has the right and the power to do whatever he wants. And his power is exercised in conformity with the will of God. In fact, authority comes from your position within a legally defined whole. The Constitution of the United States performs a legal whole of which the government of the United States and its citizens operate within, right? Yes? Outside of the Constitution, if there's anything that happens, it's always coming back to, is it in the Constitution or is it not? That's the legal framework and the legal whole. You know what the Constitution of heaven is? First of all, it's way better than the Constitution of the United States. We need to be careful that we don't get confused as to which Constitution we're following ultimately. The Constitution of heaven is the will of the Father. The will of the Father is he's working out all things in a conformity with his good pleasure and his good will. The will of the Father is his love and he has a plan and a purpose for his whole of, whole of creation and he's bringing us, that he's bringing us into. And the authority that Jesus had comes from his will, following the Father's will and saying yes, and, and he, he, he can. And so us stepping into that, and I want to talk more about that next time I preach. And then finally is to persevere. There's this strange tension in the Bible uh, that we see where, and we we haven't had time to look at some of the scriptures, but if you return to Hebrews chapter 2, for instance, and Hebrews chapter 2 says that that God has put, quoting Psalm 8, that God has put all things in subjection to Jesus and all things are under Jesus's control, but we don't yet see it. Now, we also see in 1 Corinthians 15 where, where Paul's writing and he says that God must reign, that Jesus must reign until all things have been put under his feet. And there's this tension that, that it feels like sometimes that, 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 that we know theologically that all things are under his feet. But when we look around us, we, don't, we wonder whether God's really in control. Is he in control of our circumstances? Is he in control of our life? Is he really going to have it all together? Is he really going to fulfill is he, in, is he Lord of everything that's going on in the nations? But the truth is that even though the, you know, what the Bible says is that all things are subject to him, it's just that we don't yet see it with our eyes. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean to say it's not true. And we uh, uh, the, w- the transformation, the power of heaven, the glory of God, is that we live in an unshakable, unchangeable kingdom where all things are under his feet and all things are becoming under his feet. And we live in this tension of the now and the not yet. Heaven here right now, that's why we see, we, we, we want to go after sickness. We want to go after people, you know, for, for, for freedom, for people that are in bondage to sickness or to, you know, disease or to mindsets or to addictions or other things. Why? Because the name of Jesus is above all of that. He's more powerful and more glorious and so we don't have to live in that Slavery. So we're going after it, but we don't see it as yet, not all the time. Well, because we're not quite there yet, but we want more, so we're going for more. Because the reality is that all things are under Jesus' feet. And so we're pressing in. And so if if you are here and you are struggling with relationships or you're struggling with some sin areas in your life or you're struggling with some sickness in your life or you're struggling with financial provision or you're struggling with knowing what to do next or you're struggling with some other relationship challenges, the good news of the gospel, the transformation that Jesus has won for us on the cross is all those things bow at the name of Jesus. Sickness bows at the name of Jesus. Death bows at the name of Jesus. The demonic bows at the name of Jesus. And our right is to step into the reality of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and keep pursuing and persevering that we would see all that Jesus has won for us. And that we would see the rulership of Christ come to bear in our lives because that's what his, fo- his focus is on. His passion and his desire is that he's making each one of us and conforming each one of us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus has no sickness. He has no death. He has no, uh, he's not plagued by demons. The enemy has nothing in him. And God, whole, all of heaven is working towards causing us to be just like his son. And we're free. We're free. We actually have authority. And I'm going to take, take some time next time to, to preach that, to look at that. We have authority. You live in Christ Jesus. He rules over all things. His purpose and his passion in your life is to bring about his glory and his goodness because he is absolute love towards you. Every inclination of his heart is good towards you. You know Whether you think about him every second of the day or not, He's always thinking about you. There's that old song, you are always on my mind. You are always on the Father's mind. Whether you are conscious of his presence or not, he is always conscious of you. He's always looking out for you. He's always watching over you. And his life, his energy, his rulership is focused upon your life to fulfill everything that he's called you to. Now, I'm not, let me just be clear as I wrap up. Jesus said in John chapter 16, in this world you will have trouble. There is still this tension, this dimension of, of tension of, of, of the kingdom of God breaking in, but yet at the same time, things coming against us. The enemy, sickness coming, you know, or sin coming against us. And we don't always see the, the victory 100%, right? That Jesus said, take heart for I have overcome the world. And my hope this afternoon is that, that, that as we contemplate the majesty and the glory of God, Jesus is the name above all names, that your heart will take heart. No matter what the situation or circumstances that you're facing, you're, that what will rise in you is faith that God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's the ruler of all. And he will work all things into conformity with his good pleasure and goodwill. And there will be a day where there's no sickness. And there will be a day where there's no sin. And there will be a day where there's no tears. Because God has won it all in Christ Jesus. I want to invite you to stand, please. as I've been talking that there may be some of us here who feel battered and bruised by the storms of life who feel like we're not sure whether we have actually walking in the victory. I want you just to close your eyes for a, for a minute. I, I want you to take a moment. I want you to imagine if this. Romans chapter five, verse 17, Paul says, how much more will those who receive the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace reign in life? I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to imagine Jesus, right there in front of you. And what he has for you is abundance of grace, which is his favor and his love. His abundance of grace. It's never going to run out. He's never going to get tired with you. He's never going to get old. He's never going to say, I wish you would sort your life out. Okay, I've reached the end of my line. That's it. You're done. It's abundance of grace. Grace that's not based on your performance, but it's based on his love and his goodness towards you. Picture yourself, receive that abundant grace. God's favor in your life, not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus's goodness. And And then I want you to picture him. What he's giving you is, secondly, is a free gift of righteousness. The purity of God the holiness of heaven. Receive it now. Free gift. Just take a moment, ask him if there's anything that's in the way. Jesus, is there anything in the way that's stopping me from receiving this free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace? And for some of us here, one of the things that's stopping us from receiving that is we haven't made Jesus our Lord and Savior. We've been trying to live our own lives. And I'm conscious that there may be some here that have been trying to live their own life and make good choices, but you know in your heart that you haven't fully been able to live up to it. And you can't. That's the truth. And so I want, you to, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus. I come to you, and the truth is that I've been trying to be a good person on my own. And I acknowledge that I'm falling short. And I believe that you died for me, and that you rose again, and I want that free gift of righteousness, and I want that abundant life. So I ask you to become and come and be Lord of my life. Take over my heart and fill me with the precious Holy Spirit and bring me into the kingdom of your love. If you prayed that prayer, I believe that you're born again. I would love to come and talk to you about that. We want to encourage you on your journey. You've started a lifelong journey of relationship, of overcoming, of experiencing the life and the joy of heaven. Make Jesus number one in your life. This free gift It's a free gift of righteousness, of peace, of joy in the Holy Spirit. Just receive it now.